The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. Well, see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money, all right? That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? (laughs) And we are underway. Quarter of the NFL season in the books. Welcome to the Action Network Week 5 NFL betting podcast. Chris Raybon here with my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky stuck what's going on how is your week four my week four was extremely frustrating um for for those of you that hear people talk about clv we talk about this in the podcast as well sometimes it's close we mean closing line value in the nfl it is really one of the biggest signals of whether or not you're could be successful at this. The NFL market, so much money can be bet into it. The closing line in the NFL market is uber efficient, right? All the information, there's no like, this isn't a college basketball team from a random conference where you might not know, the market might not know about an injury. Everything is known in the NFL, huge volumes of money. So the closing line is the most efficient line in the world. You know, so over a long, you know, large sample size, if you compare the what, the number that you bet at compared to what where the market closes at in the NFL, it can, it's a pretty good indicator of whether or not you can have some success in this over the long run. Now you could have a day, a week, a month where you're getting all the closing line value in the world and, you, and you're still losing. It doesn't matter. There's going to be tons of variance and noise in it. Didn't have a winning weekend, but those happen. And now I have Thursday night football coming up when I grab bears plus six and that's trending now towards plus three. So hopefully I'm not doomed. And we will preview that Thursday night game. Then we'll get into our six favorite bets for Sunday in the Sunday six pack. We'll give you our favorite total plays of the week, uh, teaser, money line, underdog, parlay, all that good stuff. Before we kick things off, two very quick reminders. Number one, if you plan to bet on the NFL this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from myself, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make. And number two, if you want a chance at a free Vegas vacation, don't forget to enter the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. This is the fifth week of the free Yahoo DFS tournament. Top five each week get a chance to play for a free Vegas vacation valued at over $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. 55 of the 85 total spots in the wildcard weekend grand finale are still up for grabs and you've got nothing to lose. Just imagine yourself on that free Vegas vacation. You're gambling, you're drinking, you run into John Gruden at the roulette wheel, you start chatting. 15 minutes later, he signs you to play slot corner for the Raiders. Anything is possible. So sign up now using the link in this episode description. All right, Stuck, let's get into it with some Thursday Night Football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. So for week five, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fresh off that 
unfortunately high scoring game against the Chargers going to Chicago on the short week to face the Chicago Bears who finally lost their first game to the Indianapolis Colts 1911 Bears three and a half point underdogs the total is 43 and a half that line courtesy of bet MGM the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast stuck I know you bet this line at Chicago plus six you just mentioned it you got the closing line value uh what can you tell people about the number now that it's at uh, three and a half how would you treat it yeah I mean I'm not a huge fan of this Bears team as I've been very vocal about on this podcast in the past I don't think that there's any significant difference between Foles and Trubisky I do have Foles graded slightly better but it's not like oh we got Trubisky out of there now we have Foles coming in we're going to be this high-powered explosive offense. You know, the Bucks are still, and I said this before, a work in progress, especially on the offensive side. Now, and I don't know why they don't just go out and they should trade for Jameis Winston. I tweeted that last week. I mean, they're just throwing a bunch of touchdowns and pick sixes. Isn't that what they had before? People are just falling in love too quick with this Bucks team. The upside's really high, especially when Godwin comes back, and he's out this week, which is an, obviously an important loss. The offensive line for the Tampa's been awesome too, by the way. We're just falling in. I think the market fell in love with the Bucs and Brady a little too soon. Let's let's just hold our horses here. They beat, you know, they lost to the Saints in a pretty competitive game early in the year. They had, they had some special teams blunders. I, I won't even ding them for that. But they beat the Panthers. Okay. Then they beat the Broncos with, you know, they were gifted a fake uh, block punt early and they're playing the Broncos backup quarterbacks. I mean, eh. then they beat the Charters. And again, they probably should have lost. Charters complete control of that game. If you just take a knee at the end of the half, you don't let Tampa back in that game. One of the most inexplicable decisions I've ever seen. And they fumble at the five and Tampa gets a touchdown before the half changes the entire game. So I think that we're just overrating this Tampa team a little too soon. You know, and without God, when the offense just isn't as explosive. But for me, it's not like I love any one matchup in this game. And I generally hate betting Thursday night football. When I do, I do like to take the home team, which who have been pretty successful against the spread historically, but this is just a numbers play for me. I made it about three and a half. The bears are pretty healthy after adjusting for Godwin being out. I made it about three and a half and I was getting six. So I had to take six. That's basically what it comes down to, to me. I think Matt Nagy's three and zero on Thursday night football, maybe the shorter time to prepare. He doesn't overthink things probably a meaningless sample size but yeah this is basically a numbers play for me at three and a half three if, if that's where it was all week I'm 99 sure I would not have a play so if you didn't get six and follow me on the app then uh, I would maybe look for something live on Chicago if Tampa goes up early or something else that you see uh, potentially the under but I just I, I want no parts of unders until I see more um this year. So, uh, yeah, basically just a numbers play for me on uh, Chicago. I think Tampa was being severely overrated here at six at three and a half. Three is more more in line with what I have. I would actually play the the Bucks at three. I doubt it will actually get there. I think it'll just hang at three and a half. But, you know, I, I get I get it at six. Uh, that's you know, that's great value. But I, I have it at five. So I'm not as off as you are. Tampa Bay still number one in the league in, in DVOA. I know they did play some lesser opponents, but DVOA does adjust for strength of schedule. Um, and they're sitting there at the top. Brady showed he can still 
you know, throw lots of touchdowns when he needs to. And I'm just really scared of this Bears offense. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense is really what, for me, makes them great. You know, they, they don't have Godwin right now, as you mentioned. Justin Watson, uh, another one of their top four receivers, is out. Uh, Miller and Evans are questionable. So their receiving core is banged up. They just lost tight end O.J. Howard. So the offense, it's going to be, I think, a little bit of a, a slog. Fournette is doubtful. Uh, so this probably will be an under game. I know they are uncomfortable to bet right now, but I also just worry about Chicago's offense. I mean, Nick Foles been under seven yards attempt and attempts, uh, you know, going back to Jacksonville last year and, you know, really hasn't turned it around either. I know they played a good defense, but um, just kind of worried about if the Bucks do get up. I mean, if they get up seven to three, like, <laughs> like what is Chicago really going to do? I, they're going to have to get a Brady pick six. So just uh, not not one of the more enticing Thursday night slates, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm rooting for you at the at the at the six. But if it gets to three, I will be playing uh, Tampa Bay, and I may be playing this under. It hasn't really dropped to 43 yet, which is a key number, and uh, I think it might be worth going back there even after uh, the disappointing game last week with the all the points. You know, Herbert for the Chargers, they've been running a ton. They, of course, they lose Eckler, but Herbert's also been going down the field and uh, not sure that either one of these teams is going to have any interest in doing that in this matchup. Yeah, I want to see if Chicago will actually take some shots downfield because the one thing that I was, you know, this Tampa defense, it it braids out really well so far, obviously. Um, And I'm a believer overall in the defense. But the one thing I mentioned coming into the year was potential regression in the secondary, right? These aren't big name guys in the secondary and they performed well last year, especially in the second half. But, you know, the first game they played Drew Brees. Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball more than four yards down the field. You know, the until last game week. Played, until last week, of course. Until last week. And, <laughs> and then, you know, they played Treddy Bridgewater. He's the same way. And he still threw for like 400 mm-hmm. yards against them. You know, and then the next week, Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon. I mean, Jeff Driscoll. Uh, so it's like, all right. And then last week they play Herbert, who doesn't have his full cast of receivers. And he was taking shots downfield through for 293 touchdowns. He was hitting some big plays down the field. So it's hard to get a read on this Buck secondary, but that they showed some cracks last week. So uh, it's something that I'm watching. Maybe the Bears aren't the team that can exploit it, but I believe in that three, four, that front, you know, and their bodies in the middle. There's a reason that they're always going to be elite against the run. They just eat up blocks, Tampa, up front with all of their bodies. They have great linebackers too, which is why they're always going to cover the run. They're going to cover backs out of the backfield well. But the one question I have with Tampa is that secondary. Is there going to be some regression we see there this year? And we'll see if, if uh, Chicago can take advantage with a couple shots. Tampa Bay, top five in DVOA last season, and uh, they're right back there again on defense. So I think it is time to start taking them uh, for real. I mean, yes, that secondary is – I think there are a lot of guys that people may not be familiar with, but the one thing is they did invest – a lot of high draft picks in those guys. We're seeing it with Winfield already. You know, Carlton Davis has been, you know, as Matthew Friedman has written about, uh, he's been playing really well. So these guys aren't like household names, but this team reminds me a little bit of San Francisco last year, where it was around this time of year where, you know, people didn't know whether to truly believe in San Francisco. This Bucks team reminds me of that because they have that defense that they can actually weather the storm with 
a Godwin out and uh, and an OJ Howard going on IR and a, and a Fournette out. And, you know, they kind of assembled all these uh, skill position guys. So they do have some depth, um, you know, when they, you know, not this week, obviously on a short week, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking out for this Tampa team to to be there when it's all said and done. But they're, they're going to need this yeah. win against the Bears. Yeah, I like – I mean, I like some of their guys in their secondary. and I'm a huge Winfield guy. Corners in the NFL, so much variance and volatility. It's like, oh, this guy had a great year, and the next year he's a dud. So it's just something that I'm monitoring. And another thing to keep in mind of this game, we've seen so far, you know, Brady in, under the Patriots on, the, on those runs, they, they were NFL all-world records, but plus .85, I think, on average turnover margin per game over like 15 years, unheard of. You know, he didn't really turn the ball over and they would force a lot of turnovers and maybe they deflated the balls, but some people would say. I don't, but he's going more downfield now. He's still adjusting to this offense. So I don't think it's a fluke that he's thrown these pick sixes and, and these bad throws. He's still adjusting to this offense. He's still getting his timing down with a group of new group of receivers that are in and out for injuries. So it also wouldn't surprise me if you see another pick six or a big pick that leads to a short field for the Bears. You could see a situation play out kind of like, Kansas City struggling on that Monday night game a little bit, you know, for much of that game. And then, you know, Edelman drops the the, the ball right into the hands of the defender. And that that was that. So Chicago is going to need one of those. I think if they do, I think they cover that plus six. Under is probably where I'm leaning. Tampa, if it gets to three, you got it at six for Chicago. And speaking of Thursday night action, BetMGM has a great sign-up offer for tonight's game. Customers can bet $1 and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a touchdown. No guarantee, but pretty good bet. Just sign up and make your first bet using bonus code ACTION100. Download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTION100 to bet $1 and win $100 in free bets if there's a touchdown in tonight's game between the Bears and the Bucks. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. Now, Stuck, before we go into our top six bets for Sunday in the six-pack, let's get into our coach's pep talk really quick. Uh, I think you have a special someone that you want to dedicate uh, this pep talk to. Who are you dedicating it to, Stuck? Yeah, I got to go since I'm on the Bears here with a dedication to Cairo Santos, uh, the Bears kicker. We know about the Bears kicking woes in the past. Um, This game should be close, should be low scoring. Field goals will probably matter and probably impact the outcome. And last year, I bet the Tennessee Titans at home against the Bills uh, the Titans lost 14-7. Well, Cairo Santos went 0 for 4 on field goals in the game. 0 for 4. Justin Tucker, I don't think, missed four field goals in his career. And they got cut the next day. So Cairo Santos gives me nightmares. I am nervous about him. I need him to keep his composure. So this week's pep talk comes to us from the 2003 film Old School, and we're dedicating it to Bears kicker Cairo Santos. Come on, all right, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've got too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. All right, let's do it, Stuck. Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. 
All right, for anyone not familiar, Stuck and I take turns drafting our top six favorite bets for Sunday's slate of games. We keep score. We each get a double bonus for our first most confident pick, one point each for the other two, and then we also get a point for our total if we hit that, which we will have for you coming up in the next segment. Stuck got off to a blazing start this year after uh, I had a narrow victory last season. Stuck jumped out 12-4. Stuck still up 12-6. to So uh, I still need to make up some ground. But Stuck, you have first pick this week. Where are you going with your number one for the week five Sunday six-pack? My most confident pick last week was New England. And then obviously the bet got canceled. And then it got moved to Monday. That might happen this year. This this week we have Bills Titans is up. You know, it might not happen. The Titans might have to forfeit. There's it's an odd year. So when that happens, if it does, we Braybon and I just have to talk offline and decide. Okay, take another game, which is oh, what yeah. we did. And I I didn't I even do it until until Sunday night. And and then I said I'll, I'll have to take the Falcons. I chose the Falcons over taking uh, Brian Hoyer or Stidham, which was who were disgusting. But both ended up losing. So we have Raybon. For my first pick of the Sunday six-pack, uh, I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings plus seven at BetMGM against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night. Look, I've had a a really good read on the Vikings this year. I came into the year skeptical. Uh, I then downgraded them a lot. I had a big play on the Colts and the under um, in week two. And I, But I also said, look, this team later in the year could be undervalued. And things have happened quicker than I expected. And I'll go through some of the reasons why. Number one, Justin Jefferson. So one of my biggest questions about the offense was the hole that they have to replace with Stefan Diggs. And you just have Adam Thielen now. Who's going to be that number two receiver? You needed a rookie to emerge. Well, Justin Jefferson has emerged. I mean, he's arguably been one of the best receivers in the NFL this year. He leads the NFL in yards per out. He is tied with Stefan Diggs for most 20-plus yard receptions this year. Turned into a legitimate threat at wide receiver to help out Adam Thielen. The offensive line has also played really well from a run-blocking perspective, which you would anticipate some improvement there in Kubiak's second year of his own blocking scheme. Drew Samia, their guard, has been the single, according to Pro Football Focus, been the single worst player to take an offensive snap this year. He's been bad, and they have an injury at guard. But their tackles, Bradbury is playing a lot better at center, and their run-blocking is... really improved. And then obviously you have Dalvin Cook, who leads the NFL in rushing, he leads the NFL in broken tackles. This offense with Jefferson now, with the offensive line improvements, is a upside top 10 unit. And they're going against the Seahawks defense that's atrocious, that is all is banged up. They have a bye next week, so you're probably going to see them sit. They're going to sit Adams to get an extra an extra week of rest. But the Vikings, the other thing that really flipped the Vikings for me Over the first three weeks, they ran play action 20% of their plays. Last week against Houston, they went, and they were throwing on first downs. They went, on the first three drives, they went run on first down, run on first down, run on first down. The rest of the game, they started throwing on first down, and they used play action over 50% of the time. And this isn't just a fluke. This isn't just, oh, they randomly did this. Zimmer went up to him. This is a quote, um, from a, an article in the, in the Tribune. And he sa- Zimmer said, I told Coobs during the game, I said, go ahead and start being aggressive. Don't worry about throwing the football too much. 
They were trying to load up, load up on us to stop the run. We can't be afraid to throw the ball. That is an awesome sign for the Vikings offense. Not this, we need to run, 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 Zimmer philosophy. The play-action pass, which is where Cousins is most efficient, is it can hide some of your pass-blocking issues. And you don't have to really worry about that against the Seahawks who have zero-edge rush and they get no pressure, bottom five, and adjusted sack rate. But that's going to help this offense enormously. On the defensive side of the ball, it's still a bad defense. But Gladney, their rookie corner, played well last week, um, which was really good to see. And Gakwe's starting to get up to speed to provide them some edge rush. Still a work in progress on the defensive side of the ball. Last year, these two teams played in December in Seattle on Sunday night, Sunday or Monday night, in primetime with fans, and the line was Seattle minus two and a half. Now you're telling me this line is seven and a half? which is what I got on out seven, I still make it under five. What has changed? I mean, the Vikings defense got worse. Maybe Russ is cooking a little more. He's still he's been playing at an MVP level for years. It has not, the line should not have moved five points from what it was last year. And the Vikings offense, by the way, is better today than it was then. Adam Thielen didn't play in that game. Treadwell was the number two receiver. I'll take, you know, Thielen and Jefferson right now and the offensive line playing better than Treadwell and Diggs. Regardless, the offense is about the same. The defense, yeah, it's downgraded, which is why I make this line, you know, four and a half, five, not two, two and a half. The Seahawks are just completely overvalued. Now, I know they're 4-0 against the spread, but this team is running like gods. And, and by the way, the, the Vikings have lost to teams that are all undefeated. They've had a much tougher schedule. The Seahawks, lost, they barely beat the Cowboys. That win looks worse by the day. They, you know, they were even statistically with the Falcons. That looks worse by the day. And then the Dolphins... They give up a fluke play. Otherwise, that game could have went either way at the end of the at the end of the first half. And they weren't penalized. They were penalized zero times in the whole game. First time, like 15 years, the Seahawks weren't penalized. But there is so much regression coming for this team. It's insane. So they played three of the worst defenses in the NFL. We've we've been through that. But their red zone touchdown scoring percentage, it's about 90%. For reference, they were about 65% the past two years, 55% in 2017. No NFL team's ever finished over 80%. Now Seattle's actually going to have to face a competent red zone D. Zimmer's D will always be great in the red zone. There's a lot of variance in red zone Ds. Not Minnesota. Top five again this year. Had like 40, 45% touchdown percentage. Last three years, top five, 40, 45%. They've also had extreme turnover luck. I mean, extreme. Despite just a terrible defense, they rank second in takeaways, second interceptions, and they're plus five turnover margin through four games. That's not sustainable. Now, Russell Wilson's not going to turn the ball over, and they're going to be around plus 10, plus 12 is what I project them at, but not over plus one per game on average. So, And then also the Vikings have some positive regression coming their way. They're minus three, minus four in turnovers. They've been the unluckiest team in hidden yards, hidden points on special teams by about four or five points. That's things out of your control, opponent field goals, opponent punts, opponent kickoffs. So – Look, I'm th- throw out the narrative street. Russell Wilson's 22-9-3 and three against the spread at primetime. Cousins is 7-15 against the spread in primetime. I don't care. What is it past Cousins' bedtime? Uh, Russell Wilson tries harder at night. I, I don't see it. Zimmer is a dog. Is, I can make cases for the Vikings here trend-wise as well. The Seahawks and the Vikings are both plus .4 net yards per play. They're both top five offenses in yards per play, and they're both bottom five defenses. So these teams are not that different. The Seahawks are 4-0 against the spread. I'm sure Russell Wilson will make some plays against the Vikings secondary, but I'm sure Minnesota will move the ball. Last year was 37-30. Seattle won in a shootout. 
And Minnesota turned the ball over four times in their own territory, including a turnover on downs. This game should go right down to the wire. And the kicker at the end of it, all I need to do for the most part is not have the Seahawks win by two possessions or more. They've done that two times in their last 18 victories over the past three seasons. Give me the Vikings, anything seven or above. Yeah, and that game that you just mentioned, the 37-30 game, Dalvin Cook got injured in that game as well, I believe. So Yeah, and Thielen uh, didn't play. Yeah, so Minnesota was was uh, down on offense. The total is sky high, 57 and a half. Uh, you kind of mentioned the trends. I'll just throw some out there. Fading teams on a roll, teams that have covered by an average of five points or more. Uh, if you fade those teams, you're 97, 52, and four, 65% against the spread uh, going back to 2003. Uh, you did mention Cousins. I uh, always find it interesting. He is... 12 and 25 against the spread outside of the 1 p.m. window, just period, not even prime time, but just anything that's not a 1 p.m., 32%. But here's one that's I've, I've heard talked about. They're, I usually, to, they're usually not an over-touchdown dog. Like, I'm not expecting. Right, I don't right. Here, here's one I wanted to touch on really quick, and maybe it kind of relates to the total, but wanted to get your thoughts on this. I've heard it talked about. I don't know quite what to make of it, but Minnesota's – Outdoors has struggled at times. Um, they're two and eight against the spread in their last 10 outdoors, uh, including a 21 seven loss to Seattle, 37 30, as you mentioned, to Seattle. Um, is there anything to that, or is that just kind of variance with, with the Vikings? No, I mean, based on the way that they play, I don't think that there's anything to that. A lot of times you'll see like these outdoors or, you know, travel stats, they're more related to weather than anything else it's not like they're the spread you out we're going to downfield passing attack that would thrive indoors you know in nice weather you know they're they're a grind you out team play action pass tough defense so I don't I don't see anything to that but I actually have seen that stat and I think it's more noise with Minnesota yeah and I would expect Minnesota to throw a ton because Seattle the one probably you know bright spot for their defense thus far has been their run defense uh, it's been a lot better than than their past defense, which isn't really saying much, but they are number six in DVOA against the run, number 29 against the pass. So I think this is another aggressive game for for Mike Zimmer. And, and they, they know that they aren't going to win like, you know, 20 to 17 against Seattle. So, uh, yeah, I would probably lean over even though it's a high number. Uh, let's go to my number one pick and the number two overall pick in the week five Sunday six pack. I am going with the Carolina Panthers. We are fading Dan Quinn again. And listen, look at the Panthers. You know, they start the year slow. They lose to the Raiders. You think, oh, man, you know, they're going to be the, one of the league's worst teams. You look up and they're, you know, they're coming off two straight wins. They upset Arizona last week. 19th in DVOA are the Panthers. Uh, 14th on offense, 28th on defense, 19th special teams. That's Eight spots better than the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are 21st on offense, and that's with Calvin Ridley going nuts, well, until Monday night anyway. 25th on defense and 28th on special team. The Falcons are the only team in the league that's bottom 20 in all three facets in DVOA. I don't think the Falcons are the better team in this matchup. I know they're at home, but that really doesn't mean anything for them. This is a team that's you know found ways to lose games throughout Dan Quinn's tenure. Um, so I'm taking the Panthers here. Um, I would I expect the Panthers to win this game, quite honestly. There are just some ridiculous numbers that 
just point straight to the head coach, you know, be, beyond the fact that the Falcons are a bottom six team in the league. If you faded Dan Quinn in every game against the spread before December, when he was a favorite, you would be 26 and nine, 74%. Dan Quinn is over his last eight at covering as a favorite uh, before we get to December, when the lines just morph, you know, the other way after the Falcons disappoint so many times. He's one in 10 in his last 11 as a favorite before December against the spread. He doesn't get his team up after a loss. Coming off a loss, you have guys like Sean Payton and Belichick that tend to cover at a high rate. Off a straight up loss in his career, Dan Quinn is 15 and 24 against the spread, 38%. It just doesn't stop with this guy in the, the ways that his team, despite a strong offense, you would think, I know Julio's banged up and, you know, Ridley struggled a little bit with more defensive attention, but a team with this kind of offense consistently falls short against the number. And it's because of the coaching and, and it's because of the defense. And uh, we'll see what's up with Keanu Neal, but they lost another safety uh, KZ on Monday night football. The defense is, is, you know, right where it is every year. It seems like banged up, not very good. Teddy Bridgewater averaging, you know, eight yards in attempt. Uh, I think this Panthers offense, you know, using Robbie Anderson uh, as a as a true receiver and not just a deep threat. I think this Panthers offense is going to be able to score with the Falcons. And uh, I, I think they're the better team on, on both sides of the ball. They'll get no pressure. And I think it'll be a high scoring game. We'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, I, I just think that the Panthers are a better team. The, the numbers back it up. Um, So I am going to go with them as my number one pick and an interesting trend because I I thought, you know, it was probably not smart. It's probably not smart to go against an 0-4 team in week five. I thought, you know, probably there's going to be value on the Falcons, but I looked it up. When a road team goes to face a winless home team in week five, the road team is 16-4 and against the spread with one push, 80%. Uh, since 2003. Still a small sample, but, you know, this is actually a value spot for uh, the road teams in this spot. You also had the the total jump up a ton. Over three points, it it jumped up. And in those situations, it's usually because of, you know, you can usually count on the underdog, um, you know, kind of being undervalued when the line opened. 49 and 27 are underdogs since 2003 when the line moves up three plus. And of course, we have Teddy. 77%, 77%, 30 and nine against the spread in his career. But uh, overall, I just think this Panther team is no worse than the Falcons. I'll put it that way. Uh, Falcons home field advantage hasn't meant much. They can cough up a lead any which way. This may be the game. This may be the Dan Quinn gets fired game. Give me the Panthers plus one and a half. Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is? Yeah, I mean, I originally made this three and a half, four, but I have to downgrade the Falcons. Plus, they're not healthy. Mm-mm. You know, Julio Jones might not sit up. They're in a short week, too, after that Monday night game against Green Bay. Look, they were playing without two corners. They were playing without two safeties. And then they had two safeties get hurt during the game. And Hawkins didn't practice with a concussion today. Probably will miss. I mean, they had to redo their entire defense. I mean, it was – you want to know why – you know, Green Bay could just throw it to, you know, their Bobby Tanyan, big Bob, big Bob, <laughs> and uh, big Bob Tanyan, and uh, their running backs were just wide open. I mean, there was no communication. They were trying to play man to man. No one knew who to cover 
So this second – now you're on a short week trying to fix this, and I don't know who's going to play. I would imagine Julio might sit out too. It's just – it's a mess in Atlanta right now. I can't get behind that team at all. So I, I don't blame you for going – for back in Carolina, who does look a little better than I was projecting, and I think their staff's done a good job for all of the turnover that they've had. I, w- I just wish they got another linebacker besides Tahir White had to replace Keekley. He's predictably been the worst linebacker in the NFL so far in the middle of that 4-3. Uh, but I don't hate it at all. Fading Dan Quinn right now is just... I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, when you go to the Action Network app, if you open that trend that I that I created with Dan Quinn as a favorite before December, you literally just see a whole list of green. Like, there doesn't, there's not even a red in the, the screen on your iPhone. Like, that's how ridiculous it is. I'm, I'm riding it. All right. For my second pick and the third pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with a team I don't think I've ever bet on here on the podcast, the Houston Texans usually take them. I'm going with the Houston Texans minus six and a half at BetMGM at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I got this following the action app. I got this at six early in the week. I make it over seven, but Bill O'Brien, he's gone. I don't have to back Bill O'Brien. Now it's Romeo Cornell. So what I did this week is I went back and I looked historically at what teams have done the week after they fire their coach in season. It's happened 28 times since 2003. I went into our Bet Labs database and pulled um, all of the results. Those teams went 12 and 16 straight up and 14 and 14 against the spread. You might say, say well, that's horrible. Well, you know, it's a 43% win percentage. Well, you have to remember that the coaches got fired. These, these are usually bad teams. Those teams had a 27% win percentage prior to the coaching change, and they were 38% against the spread. On average, they closed as four and a half, five point underdogs. That implies a win probability of about 35%. So over 28 games, 35% win probability, you expect to win um, about 9.8, 10 games. Well, they won 12. And you might say, well, there could be outliers in there skewing that. So I went back and just looked at all the closing spreads, calculated the implied win probabilities. They won uh, 12 games and they were implied to win about right around 10. So they won two more games than they were projected to a lot of noise in that small sample size, but it does hint at the fact that for the, just that next game, there is a positive bump to the team after a coach change. You could say it's morale, right? We wanted Bill O'Brien gone. Maybe the locker room gets better. Maybe, but I think it's more just, okay, we can correct some things, you know, some play calling things, some basic things, and more importantly, new looks. So you're going to have some new looks. You're going to try new things that other teams don't have film on you for, that one game, right? So you have a new coach. You can, you're going to mix up your play calling. You're going to try different things. It's your first game as a new coach. It's, it's harder to prepare for you from a game plan perspective. So I think that it does work in the Texans' favor, especially from what I've seen from Bill O'Brien. Like last week, he's running the ball, not attacking the Vikings' young secondary. The in-game decisions, the strategic decisions, the, game, the play calling, been bad. So I think removing him out of the equation is only going to help. We won't even get into his GM decisions. I mean, this team's 0-4, and, and the Dolphins have their first two draft picks this coming year. So, but then on the surface, the Jags, this Jags team stinks. Stinks. Look, the first week, yeah, they beat the Colts. We talked about it. They got out game by 200 yards. Lucky win. Minshew Magic's over. They got dominated by the Dolphins. They got dominated by the, the Bengals. Their defense is horrendous. This is the worst defense in the NFL, and it sh- should be. They got rid of all their good players. You know, Miles Jack's playing at a really high level. I have to give him credit, but he's hurt. He might not even play. Henderson, their rookie corner, he's playing okay for rookie, but he might not play. He's hurt. 
They have no, you know, their defensive line is terrible outside of Josh Allen trying to create some pressure. They have other corners that are hurt. You might see Clay Brooks in there, a seventh round draft pick who's more of a return man. He got abused last week by Cincy, who just did whatever they wanted against Jacksonville. And, and, and Jacksonville also made Cincy's offensive line look competent. This is a bad team, a bad defense. Give me the Texans, anything under seven, in a good spot here at 0-4. Remember, they did have played the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Ravens to start the year. And they've had no turnovers so far. And they played good teams. They're the only team in the NFL without a turnover. They're gonna, the schedule's going to ease up. They're going to get some turnovers. Red zone regression is going to happen. Give me the better quarterback, the better offense that should be able to attack this Jacksonville defense at will. Should come out inspired under a new coach, 0-4, against a bad team. Uh, this has the potential to get ugly. Give me Houston. This one scares me. Like, I, It's like Jacksonville is not very good. I think Minshew is actually pretty good, or he's decent, I, th- I should say. If you look at his overall efficiency numbers you know he's had a, a rough week or two here and there but that, that Miami game was bad with, uh, with with the center out and the center winder may still be out which which could be big um, I think Cam Robinson hurt yeah, oh, yeah Cam Robinson you know Houston worries me at this point too uh, I don't know like Romeo Cornell is just not a guy that like inspires much confidence he's actually lost his last four against the spread three and three and eight in his last 12 I mean this is it this game could go so many ways and uh, DVOA. way. And again, I, I think, you know, early in the year, even with the schedule adjustment, it's going to hard, it's going to be hard to, you know, get the full uh, capture, you know, just how tough Houston's schedule was, but Jacksonville's 15th in, in overall DVOA and Houston's 21st Jacksonville's number six on offense. Houston's 20th. Uh, you know, this, I just – I don't know what to expect from Houston. J.J. Watt called out O'Brien. Apparently, that's what led to the firing. So, uh, I think you will see energy and effort from Houston. But I also don't think this is a gimme game either. You also have that, you know, the spot with the 16-4 and four ATS with, you know, road teams going to visit a winless home team. So, I, I don't know what to expect uh, for this one. It's probably a – uh, a stay away from me unless the line just gets like crazy to like to like eight or something like that. I may try Jacksonville, but at this number, this is a high range of outcomes game uh, for me. I just I just am very confident the Texans offense is going to go off. I mean, they made Ryan Fitzpatrick look like a Hall of Famer. He was doing whatever he wanted in that first half. Deshaun Watson should eat. They're, he's not going to be under a ton of pressure against this Jacksonville team. Yeah. And I'm removing O'Brien. So give me the Texans. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, for my second pick and the fourth pick in the Week 5 Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Cleveland Browns plus two against the Indianapolis Colts. The Browns are home dogs here in this spot, and I've always been a little bit lower, I think, on the Colts than consensus kind of coming into the year, bet against them in that Jacksonville game. Unfortunately, also bet against them in the Minnesota game, uh, but – I think this is the time when you have to sell high in the Colts. They they collapsed in that Jacksonville game, a game they should have won, turnovers, they lose the game even though they outgained them. But then they play 
you know, they play the Jets, they play the Chicago Bears, you know, two teams that they can, they're, you know, the Colts defense is really going to shine in those games. The offense doesn't have to do too much. And, you know, the Minnesota game really looks more and more like their only quality win. And that was even at a time when Minnesota was still going through some things, as you have uh, pointed out. So I'm not buying this Indianapolis team just yet. They're on the road. I make this line a pick them. So I'll gladly take the Browns uh, at plus two. Uh, I would think about the the money line as well, depending on where it ends up when you're when you're listening to this. But you look at Indianapolis for as good as their defense has been, and it's been excellent on offense. They could play a very close game and, and end up losing just because they're 30th in third down offense. So you know they haven't really had to convert a ton because they played the Bears and the Jets and the defense does the work and this team this Colts team is not like significantly better than this Browns team Colts are fourth in DVOA the Browns are 12 but the Colts are just 24th in offense there's no reason you should be 24th in offensive DVOA there's no reason you should be 30th in third down conversion rate so I think there are some some red flags with this Colts team and Cleveland they can do they can run the ball which even without Nick Chubb they're going to have Kareem Hunt, which it's big for them to have that depth. Uh, Cleveland is number one in early down success rate on run plays. So the Colts have been a top three defense, uh, you know, against the run on early downs. But, you know, the Browns are a team that's going to be able to get, you know, four yards a pop against this defense, you know, on early downs. And that changes things a little because the Colts are mediocre when it comes to, to their pass success rate. And so I think this is how you beat the Colts. You you kind of run on them just enough to, to keep the game close. And, and you, you know, you're going to be able to convert some third downs. You're going to be able, you're going to be able to stop them on some third downs and the wild card. You always are going to have that Philip Rivers potential turnover uh, looming. Now Mayfield is the same way, but the thing is Cleveland's a home dog in this spot. You know, if it was the opposite way, I'd probably go in with Indianapolis, but we're talking about Cleveland as a home dog in a game that I have rated as a pick them Colts also Left tackle Anthony Costanzo on the injury report, linebacker Darius Leonard, and linebacker Bobby Okariki. Those are three of their um, most important players, guys that play a ton of snaps. Uh, so, you know, Costanzo, iffy, uh, Leonard, same thing. So we'll see about that. But uh, not a good spot to me for the Colts uh, going on the road to face this Cleveland team that scored, you know, 30 plus in three straight games. They're getting it together on offense, and I just worry that some of the Colts' deficiencies uh, and kind of underwhelmingness on that offensive side of the ball with that 24th-ranked unit will come out in this game. And if that comes out, then you see the, the you could see the Rivers' turnovers, which haven't been a factor because they've been able to play it close to the vest these last few weeks. So give me the Browns plus two home dog against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Those, those injuries at linebacker are – significant for Indianapolis against this really elite rushing attack that this new coaching staff has firing on all cylinders. Look, I said, I took a flyer on the Browns 50 to one to win the Super Bowl. I said, I think this is a team that you know, their defense is getting healthier, that this staff, all the improvements they can make on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line, which has been awesome. It's been a lot better for Mayfield but just putting Mayfield into better situations. The first game against the Ravens, an awful situation with all of those changes in the first game of the year. Um, the offense has been really good since. 
And that running game against the Colts defense that has a banged up linebacking core, they're going to be able to eat. And look, I'm sure Indianapolis can be able to run the ball some too. But this Indianapolis secondary, I'm still not sold on it. You mentioned the schedule. It's been very favorable so far. I think the Browns are going to be able to run the ball. It's going to set up some shots downfield. I'm sure Matt Eberflus will have uh, a nice game. I'm a big fan of him, and he's an Ohio guy. He's going to be motivated here to come up with a something unique. Uh, but I, I think that the Browns will be able to move the ball. I make it Cleveland minus one and a half. So I saw a plus three, minus 120, and scooped it right up. Uh, I think the Browns are trending up, getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. And that offensive line's playing well. The play calling is a lot better. Mayfield's in more comfortable situations. And Chubb getting hurt sucks, but doesn't. it's not that big of a drop-off to hunt, if at, any, if at all. So, yeah, I agree with you on the Browns. All right, for my third and final pick of the week and the fifth pick of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Washington football team, plus seven and a half at BetMGM at home against the Los Angeles Rams. I make this line closer to five, which is the main reason that I took it. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is being benched here for Kyle Allen. I think that this is a stupid move. I think Dwayne Haskins has a much higher ceiling, and you want to find out if he will be your franchise quarterback or not this year. You should keep him in. But in Haskins' current state, him compared to Allen, eh, pretty much a wash. And this line's actually come down, I think, uh, slightly since the announcement. Um, so the market maybe likes Kyle Allen more. I don't think there's that much of a difference between current version of Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. I'm, I'm not a fan of either of them right now. But this Rams offense was doing some great things early on. Sean McVay switched up a lot of things to protect his offensive line, to protect Goff, short passing, new running attack. But Teams are starting to get film on that. They didn't have much success against the Giants last week. The football team's defense has been really good, especially against the pass. Top five DVOA against the pass. Top five, I think, overall. We know about their defensive line. That's where I think that they're going to dominate this game. They can disrupt the Los Angeles offense attack, not only off the edges, but also up the middle where Los Angeles is really weak. And they're going to get an immediate push up the middle and blow up what the Rams want to do. You know, I don't obviously love the Washington offense. I think that this game, you know, I think that Washington will be able to find enough points here to at least stay within a touchdown. Wouldn't shock me if they won outright. They forced Goff into a couple mistakes here. I, I think this line's way too high at seven or higher, but especially at seven and a half, I make it closer to five. So give me Kyle Allen and the Washington football team as my third pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Haskins, I think he should have been benched. Before the year started, I said... Yeah, I agree. He's been awful, but, like, we've seen what Kyle Allen is, so it's like... I, oh, I yeah. Don't know. You don't bench him for Kyle Allen. Like, that makes no sense. But, I mean, from the perspective of, is he going to be a franchise quarterback? No, he's not. Like, look at all the quarterbacks in this day and age that are good, and think about when they have become good, when we have seen the flashes. I mean... Mahomes, Wilson, uh, even go back to Andrew Luck. Uh, you know, all of these quarterbacks, Dak was good, you know, from the from the jump. Like these guys are good immediately. It's not taking, you know, into the second year and they're still the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like, th- you know, this is this is just Sam Darnold all over again. You're just gonna continue to give him starts, and he's gonna he like once you get this many dropbacks, you have you know, three, four hundred 
a lot of the numbers start to become predictive for quarterbacks and Haskins is bottom of the league. So I get why they benched him from the perspective of he's not going to be their franchise quarterback. He's not going to be ready anytime. It's quarterbacks are either ready or they're not, you know, it's either it's a have and have not league and, and Haskins doesn't have it. I think Allen's a, a tiny bit better if we're talking, you know, spread value. These two quarterbacks were the two worst in the league in adjusted net yards per attempt last season. That being said, I actually, I think the Rams probably are a little bit, little bit overvalued. I actually like the contrarian over uh, in this game. I think that both teams will actually be able to score. I think Allen is going to play a little bit looser. Uh, I think he won't be afraid to target Jalen Ramsey for better or worse. You know, that might not always turn out, uh, you know, how they want it. But uh, I think this Washington team being that there's really no film for McVay in that defense and Staley to kind of go off of on Allen with this team uh, as opposed to Haskins. Uh, and, you know, they're traveling across the country. I think the defense is going to be a little bit uh, shaky. I think you're going to you, you could see some points in this one. Um, both of these teams are top eight in situation neutral pace. Uh, Washington, number three, the Rams, number eight. And you have uh, Kyle Allen because he's turnover prone as well. The overs have gone 10 and three in his starts, including seven and zero when it's uh, 47 or below. So uh, I, I think you will see some points. I think you will see a better Washington offense, a looser Washington offense. I think Gibson will play better uh, or be even more involved. And, you know, Allen has played under Rivera, has started before. It's not like you have to treat him with complete kid gloves. So I think that it's a fair assumption that they'll play pretty similar. And, he, yeah, he might play even looser going downfield. Yeah, I mean, the thing about what was the number one thing with Haskins? A slow decision maker, right? Allen is a guy who knows, you know, this offense more or less. He's, I think they're going to be able to go faster with him. So, uh, yeah, I, I would expect uh, I would expect some points. I like it. It's at 44 and a half, so uh, I like it at that number. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. For my third and final pick of the Week 6 Sunday six-pack, I am going with the New York Giants plus nine and a half at the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a spot for me where I think the number is just too big. I I make this line eight. This number, when it gets to nine or ten, is just a really tough one to cover, especially when you look at since 2015 when they moved the extra point back. Uh, Underdogs who are nine to ten-point dogs are covering 80%, 35, 9, and 1, uh, as long as they open at, at 10 or less. So not a situation where, like, the line gets, you know, they open massive and the line gets bet down. But the Giants open to 10. It's 9.5 right now. Uh, divisional dogs also 56% against the spread September to November. The Giants, 
Their offense has been atrocious, but they did face the number three, six, seven, and 15 ranked defenses in DVOA and the Steelers, 49ers, Bears, and Rams. And, and just without even the numbers, you know those are four of the best defenses in the league. But Dallas is 24th. Uh, I think you're going to see a little more offense for the Giants. Devontae Freeman actually didn't look bad last week. You know, the Giants were able to hold the Rams close. I think the Rams left a lot of points on the table in, in that game. But the Giants can play a little bit of run defense. Uh, so, you know, even if you get up on them, it's not quite as easy to just pull away. Uh, they had one really bad game against the spread, that San Francisco game. Uh, the Pittsburgh game, they lose it by 10. Could have been eight if they hit the two-pointer. And then they cover against the Bears. They cover against the Rams uh, as big dogs. So I'm expecting them to, to keep it close in this divisional matchup. And, and I think you see their best offensive performance today, which, ain't, which isn't saying much, but this Cowboys defense uh, has been shaky. I don't know exactly what the state of the team is right now coming off that embarrassing loss to Cleveland. Uh, so, yeah, give me the Giants in this divisional matchup. I think they keep it close. Yeah, I mean, I'm having trouble grading the Cowboys – their defense has been atrocious. I mean, Mike Nolan is not the answer. Um, and they still can't force turnovers. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL last year and still this year. Their linebackers are all hurt. The interior of their defensive line has been just atrocious. You can just run right over this team. Obviously, their secondary is very young. I mean, Jalen Smith is their only healthy linebacker. He's been awful. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily using him right. But I don't. this defense has been beyond bad. Beyond that, I, I, mean, I can't find anything really positive to say about it, their defense. Now, the question is, can the Giants capitalize? Will Dan – because, look, and, and on the other side, the Cowboys – and I make this line around nine. I don't see any value, but I, I might not be downgrading the Cowboys enough. The Cowboys' offense, it's going to score. Dak's playing really well. They have a lot of weapons. It's going to score through the air, especially against the Giants and bad secondaries. But the offensive line isn't the same. This isn't your offensive line from the last couple of years ago. Now, Lyle Collins is out. They have injuries. It's just, it's not a great offensive line anymore. They're not getting much help from the run game. It's just Dak throwing the ball to their, their threats. And get, they get down, and then they'll, they'll make crazy comebacks, and their defense will give up points. I mean, can the Giants capitalize? Can Daniel Jones not turn the ball over, not get sacked and strip sacked? That's probably what it will come down to. I don't have any confidence in the Cowboys' defense to lay nine here. So I don't blame you. Um, but just my raw numbers, I make it right around Dallas nine. So it's a pass for me, but fading the Cowboys right now, that defense is a disaster. The offensive line is down. Um, it's basically just Dak trying to outscore teams by throwing the ball. And I wrote about this. I have a piece up on action network.com right now uh, about Dak and kind of, you know, let's not let, let, let it not get lost just because the defense is in bad that Dak, this is the first year he's really had an atrocious defense. The other four years, their defense was ranked between fifth and 13th in points allowed. And you looked at their point differential and, and he's right around three and a half, four uh, that whole time. So, you know, Dak has been good. He has, he's, he's an above average quarterback, but um, he's struggled in clutch moments. He struggled to kind of get them wins that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. He's really good at bringing them back and making it close, but he struggles in the clutch. When you look at this team, now they don't have the defense. The Giants have the better defense in this game. They're 11th in DVOA. The Cowboys are 24th. The Giants have been playing good run defense. They're number 11. 
in run defense. So it's not like Zeke is just going to necessarily just run all over them. So I just think it's going to be another game where Daniel Jones, he probably will turn the ball over, but the Giants have played four of the best defenses in the league. We've seen Daniel Jones put up four, five touchdown games. This is that type of game where I just don't think the Cowboys can pull away necessarily uh, from the Giants, especially because the Giants can stop the run uh, even if they get behind. So, yeah. All right. So that does it for the week five Sunday six pack to recap. Stuck is going with the Vikings plus seven at the Seahawks, the Houston Texans minus six and a half at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Washington football team starting Kyle Allen plus seven and a half at home against the Los Angeles Rams. I am fading Dan Quinn going with the Panthers on the road plus one and a half. The Browns, a home dog, plus two against the Colts. And the Giants, plus nine and a half on the road in the division against the Dallas Cowboys. And now it is time for our top over-under play of the week. So you started off the six-pack, so I'll get it started with the total. And I'm going with the Panthers-Falcons. This is a a game where uh, I already mentioned it. For the Panthers, they get no pressure. Their defense is still a work in progress. They've been able to win games um, because their offense is playing, I think, a little bit more efficient than anyone thought, especially without Christian McCaffrey. But their defense is still not going to get pressure. Even if Julio Jones is out for the Falcons, they're going to be able to move the ball. You know, we saw, what is it, Olamide Zacchaeus step up last week. They still have uh, enough guys to catch the ball and, and move it downfield against a team that gets no pressure. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, we both hit on it. Atlanta's defense just decimated with injury and was never really very good outside of that fluky, what was it, six and two stretch to close the year last year, where they just yep. came into the perfect, they just ran into like the perfect slate. This is a spot where I expect points to be scored. Uh, the, you know, the Falcons are, again, still a team that's going to get go up and down a field. And the Panthers uh, have shown that they're uh, able to do the same, you know, very efficient Uh, on offense in the past game and Mike Davis, they're not really losing as much, uh, at least statistically speaking with Mike Davis going from Christian McCaffrey, Davis still catching a ton of passes, uh, you know, still running the football strong for them. So uh, the over when it's 50 plus in the Dan Quinn era for the Falcons, despite this guy supposed to be a defensive head coach uh, over 50 plus 21 and 12, 62% uh, in the Quinn era. Uh, I love these two offenses going back and forth in the dome barely got the under to hit last week at 52 and a half with that with Panthers Cardinals because the Panthers put up even more points than I expected uh but uh I expect both of these teams to have no trouble scoring yep and you know Atlanta will go fast you just have to hope Atlanta doesn't fail in the red zone over and over again um I mean I, I, I would, I'd be fine with that <laughs> I'd be fine with that because I do I do have That's a true. lot of money on the Panthers but uh I think the Panthers That's true you're kind of hedged yeah. you're kind of hedged in a way there yeah. um <laughs> All right, so for my favorite total of the week, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles and Pittsburgh Steelers under 44 at BetMGM. Look, I'm really gun-shy of totals right now. I've adjusted most of them up about three points on average. It depends if it's not a flat adjustment. It depends on if it's 40 or 55 initially um, because of the pace being up. Because of more teams going for it on fourth down, fourth and ones at near midfield, way up. That means you're either converting, keeping your driver alive, or the other team is getting it in your midfield instead of punting it down towards the 10. Pace is up. Efficiency is up. Communication is so much better 
without fans. And then obviously you have no penalties being called. Holding is way down. False starts are down. Defensive pass interference is up. So scoring's up like five points on average this year and totals overs have been killing it. So I'm trying to adjust. The one under I did play, my probably the only total I'll play this week, is the Eagles, Steelers. One of one of my favorite unders in the NFL, just historically from a matchup perspective, is a game where I think both defensive lines will completely dominate. That's what I think we'll get here. The the Eagles offensive line is a mess because of injuries, and they're going up against arguably the best defensive line in the NFL right now. The Steelers offensive line also, and I brought this up in our previews, it's not going to be – these are two teams that have known for their elite offensive lines of the past couple seasons. This is not your older brother's offensive lines on both teams, and it's one of the reasons the Steelers have struggled. I mean, the Steelers are 3-0 and and sitting pretty, but they beat the Giants by 10, the Broncos by 5, and the Texans by seven. I mean, what do those teams have? One combined win? So, and it hasn't looked pretty, their offense. Big Ben is still trying to get back into the flow of things, and now he's had a long layoff. I don't know how that's going to impact things. He said it's not going to be great for him in the offense. Who knows? But I tend to think that maybe it'll mess up some of the rhythm he's starting to get. It's still not there on the offensive side. And what does Philly have? They have a great defensive line. Both of these teams, you look, top five, top six in adjusted line yards, top five in adjusted sack rate. And the offensive lines are mediocre to bad, their ranking. And we know the Eagles have no passing offense. It's the worst in the NFL. Wentz has been awful. They lucked their way into a win last week against a banged-up San Fran team, although that was a great call in buying low. I wish I bet them plus seven. Look, you still saw nothing from the offense. And maybe Deshaun Jackson comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Steelers D is still solid. I don't see the Eagles offense doing much. And I think this is a game where both defensive lines uh, end up dominating from start to finish. Big Ben and the Pittsburgh receivers are a little bit better, if not a lot better. That'll end up being the difference, which is why the Steelers will win this game, in my opinion. But I don't think that uh, this gets over 44. Maybe it will because unders go to die in the NFL this year, but that's my favorite total of the week. Yeah, this is one that it's, I'm, having a tr- I'm having a tough time kind of pegging it. Uh, I think I have the total a little bit higher than that. Uh, for some strange reason, and I don't know exactly why this is, Eagles games just tend to score high when they go on the road. Uh, The over when a total is 47 or below for the Eagles is 20 and four in, in Carson Wentz's starts. These games go high. How many of those, how many of those games was Carson Wentz good for? He's no longer good. I I really have no kind of explanation for it. I have to kind of look into it deeper, but uh, just something to kind of point out. And uh, I think that is like, if you're looking for an under, this one and the Bears, to me, would be the two ones you look for. So if those games go over, uh, we'll, we'll know totals are officially uh, broken in 2020 and just bang the over on everything. And he is picked. To recap, I got the Panthers-Falcons over 54 and a half. Stuck has the Eagles-Steelers under 44 and a half. Now it's time for our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. For anyone not familiar, a teaser is when you combine two or more bets and you get an additional six points toward the spread of each team. So it's kind of like a parlay. You have to hit uh, both, or if you do more than two, you have to hit all of them. But uh, you are getting an additional six points toward the spread for each bet. So if you're teasing an eight-point favorite, uh, they become a two-point favorite, and an eight-point underdog becomes then a 14-point underdog stuck. Where are you going with your 
teaser play, two-team teaser for this week? Yeah, I mean, ideally, if you have two teams and you're crossing both the three and seven with both teams, you have an edge over the books, as long as you're you're paying minus 120 or below for the teaser. And this year, those teasing those teams through the three and seven are 14 and one. And you have to be above like 72.4% to break even. And historically, they're like 75, 75.5%. This week, if you're looking for two teams to tease through the three and seven, I would look right now at BetMGM. The Panthers are plus one and a half. You could tease them up to seven and a half. And the Browns are plus one and a half. You can tease them up to seven and a half. So that's why we'll go with the Panthers and the Browns. And something to keep in mind now that I'm starting to think about is I'm. you might see key numbers start to shift in the NFL. And I might start valuing teasing over eight instead of over seven. Because in the past, in the NFL, if you're down 14 late, it's pretty easy a lot to get a meaningless garbage touchdown in the NFL. Team kicks the extra point. You lose by seven. You cover your seven and a half. You're plus seven and a half in a teaser. Well, now teams are getting smarter. They're making the more intelligent analytical-based decision of going for two down 14. So now instead of those games ending seven more often than not, they're going to end eight and six, either eight or six. So as more teams start to do this, we saw it happen twice in like 10 minutes last week, that getting over eight for teasers and just key numbers in general, it's going to shift just a little bit, something to keep in mind. But yeah, getting the Browns and uh, the Panthers over seven each, I think is uh, the way that I would recommend this week. Yeah, I think both those teams have a great chance to win their games, not only cover. I'm going with the Panthers as well. Uh, teasing them up to plus seven and a half and then teasing the Steelers down from seven to one against the Eagles. I do agree with what you said. I think the Steelers defense will ultimately be able to control this game and and the Eagles offense, uh, you know, even with potentially Deshaun Jackson back, maybe even Alshon, it's just been a, it's been a grind. It's been a slog. It's been, it's been tough sledding. And this is not the defense to get right against. And uh, you're on the road. Uh, granted, you're in interstate, but you're on the road against a really, a really tough defense and your quarterback's been turning the ball over. So uh, I like the Steelers to win this game. Uh, if you look at it, once you start getting into October and, and on, and we kind of see the market reacting to, to these different teams and the Steelers have only played three games but historically when you have a favorite with a covering but not by a ton but uh, a favorite with a and against the spread margin that averages between uh, one and a half and four and a half uh, and then you have an underdog that's averaging minus three or worse versus the spread uh, the favorites in those spots have been way undervalued Uh, 132 69 and 7 66 percent uh, against the spread it's it's some it's a spot where the books just aren't really making too big of an adjustment um, they're giving the Steelers the the touchdown I actually make it uh, seven and eight and a half so I think the Steelers may end up covering this game if, if Philadelphia doesn't get lucky uh, with like a pick six like they did last week and, and they go for two on the opening uh, touchdown of the game and they get that if Philadelphia doesn't get that I think they struggle to even cover the the regular numbers, but I like Pittsburgh to win the game. So teasing them down to one. So to recap, Stuck has for his two team teaser, the Browns and the Panthers plus eight plus seven and a half. And then I have the Panthers plus seven and a half, the Steelers minus one. That's our teaser. Now let's get into our underdog money line parlay. 
Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. In this segment, we each pick an underdog on the money line, and we turn it into a little parlay just for fun. All right, Stuck, where are you going with your money line dog for this week? Uh, all right, for this week, uh, I think I rambled enough about it. I'll have a write-up about it as well in my weekly picks piece and for the Sunday Night Football Preview. I'm going with uh, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings to pull off the upset over primetime Russell Wilson. This line's too high. It's plus, and the money line is plus 245 at MGM. And look, Seattle's been so lucky so far this year. The regression is coming. The turnovers are coming. They won't be getting turnovers. Minnesota's due for just a perfect storm for Minnesota to pull out this huge win to potentially turn around their season. I like some of the things I'm seeing, the play calling perspective from Jefferson, some of the improvements on defense, they can win this game. And uh, I'll take the value with the Vikings on Sunday night. And I'm going to keep fading Dan Quinn. I like the Panthers at uh, one and a half. And so that means I obviously think they can win the game. So I'm going with them as the short uh, money line dog here plus 110. If you parlay those two bets together, you would win $625 on a $100 bet for a total payout of $725. So hopefully those two money line dogs hit Panthers plus 110, Vikings plus 245. Now it's time for the best of the rest, which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment. Stuck. First up, we have the Vegas Raiders going to KC to face the Chiefs. Chiefs, 13-point favorites, the total 56.5. Patrick Mahomes, 2012-1, as a favorite. The unders in the Andy Reid era at Arrowhead are hitting at 60% as well. Uh, thoughts on this game? Historically, you know, it is a short week for the Chiefs, but this, the, this Raiders team is just so banged up. Uh, historically, you know, the, over the first eight weeks of the season, it's been very profitable to take a double-digit divisional dog, like 37-18-2 since 2003. So that applies to the, the Bengals this week and and the Raiders. But just with all these injuries on the Raiders' offensive, you know, their offensive line at wide receiver, they're, they're banged up on the defensive side. The defense is just terrible. They don't get pressure. They have bad coverage guys. How do you stop the Chiefs? I mean, last the last three meetings, the Chiefs have outscored them 103-22. to 22. I know Carr is playing really well. I think this line's a tad inflated. So I'm definitely not betting the Chiefs, but I'm not betting the Raiders here. Um, Pure stay away from me. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to bet the Chiefs. I think it's something like if you go back even further, like 175 to like 40 or something, something ridiculous in in the the, the score, you know, the scoring margin the Chiefs have had over the Raiders. Uh, Bengals at Baltimore Ravens, Ravens 12 and a half point favorites, the total 50, though, this line was taken off the board with Lamar Jackson missing practice as of Wednesday. So that's something we'll have to monitor. But Baltimore, as a divisional favorite under Harbaugh, just 11-20-1 against the spread, 35%. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the divisional dog uh, trend with Cincy here. Uh, This line is spot on to me, but there are a lot of injuries worth monitoring on the Baltimore side in their secondary. Uh, It looks like Ronnie Stanley, their all-pro tackle, will go. Lamar Jackson, they say it's precautionary, but... You know, RG3 was taking snaps today, so I don't know. The, the biggest problem with, with Cincy is, are they going to be able to stop Baltimore's rush attack? I mean, last year, I remember they got shredded in one game. They gave up, I think, 50 points. Both these teams are, are very slow uh, and snails, but I just don't know. So I actually think that there might be a, t- a tad bit of value on the under, but uh, look, I don't want to get in, in front of unders here. 
the Ravens blitz should really bother Burrow and that that Cincy offensive line, but it will come down to how healthy their secondary is. Rookie quarterbacks against Baltimore, two and seventeen in the history of the franchise in Baltimore. So you know Burrow's played well, but this is a, a really tough spot for him. Um, but the line looks spot on to me. But if the Ravens are banged up and this game goes pretty slow when these two teams don't like to go fast in neutral situations. Uh, I could see the Bengals either covering and or getting in the back door as Burrow showed that he can do pure stay away from me. I actually like the Bengals. Uh, if that number gets reposted, I think uh, these are classic spots where the Ravens have been a little bit overvalued. The, the Bengals playing decently on pass defense, number 10 and in, in DVOA. So when you take that away from Jackson, that offense is not quite the same. They'll still put up their rushing numbers, but not sure. It's like a, a blowout situation for Baltimore. The Jets hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Jets seven and a half point favorites. The total forty seven and a half. Again, we have that trend with the uh, teams going on the road to face a winless home team in Week Five. Are sixteen four and one against the spread since '03. Any thoughts on this game? Cards at Jets. Well, the with the announcement that Joe Flacco will start over Sam Darnold, the line has moved from Jets plus seven to Jets plus seven for all <laughs> you Sam Darnold truthers out there. Um, I actually think that Sam Darnold is like a, a hair for, for the spread worth a little bit more to the spread than Flacco, like a little less than a point. So I actually made it like six two six three, And then with Flacco announcement, I make this right on seven, which is where it is. But again, don't bet the New York Jets people. Don't bet Adam Gase, uh, but I can't make the case for betting the Cardinals. Uh, this line looks dead on to me, and I am the lowest person in the world on the Jets. Made The market, I think, is finally properly pricing them. I still can't. Still not enough value to even think about backing the Jets here. But maybe they're getting a little healthier, so maybe that will help. I would still go Cardinals if I had to. I think you you have this situation where it seems like there could be value on these on these winless teams, there's probably not. And the Cardinals in need of a bounce back after a rough outing in a game that they probably heading into the year, thought they were going to win. So uh, I like the Cardinals at, uh, at seven, but not a ton of value on either side here. Dolphins going to San Francisco. This the totals off the board. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start. It hasn't been confirmed as we record this, but he has returned to practice. Ryan Fitzpatrick will get another start for the Dolphins. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. But we're officially on Tua Tugavailoa watch, so uh, not too much really on this game with, with no true line out. But uh, we are seeing Niners by nine as we record this at BetMGM. Yeah, you got to keep your eye on the injury report for the Niners. Obviously, they have a lot of guys that have been on there all year, and, and especially a quarterback who's going to start a quarterback. We've seen Nick Mullins is, uh, last week is not the answer. So I have to give Jimmy G's props. He's a couple points uh, for sure better than Nick Mullins. So, yeah, just monitoring the San Fran injury situation and that quarterback the rest of the week. But I make it nine, assuming Jimmy G's playing. So if it is nine, no real value. If you get eight and a half, I think San Fran's a good teaser piece down under three if Jimmy G plays. Then we have the Broncos at the Patriots. No line for that game. Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore, both on the COVID-19 list. Uh, if this game does get played, we have all the Belichick trends. You know, the bounce back off the loss, 73% against the spread. Off a double-digit loss, 82% uh, as a home favorite, 17 or less, uh, 62%. But we don't know what's going on with this one yet. 
Uh, probably we'll see Jared Stidham against Brett Rippon if this one goes, but no why on that one. Look, it's it's a really tough game to cap. Uh, you don't know who's playing and who's a quarterback. We've seen the difference between Cam Newton and their backups might be, you know, the market thought it was like five, six points. It might be closer to seven. I mean, Stidham was awful. Hoyer is done. So, yeah, there's a big difference between Cam Newton playing or not. If Cam Newton does play against Rippon, I make this line around eight or nine, which is what we were seeing uh, early in the week, I think. But, look, the Patriots are on a short week. They're missing practices now because of it. So maybe the prep for Belichick isn't as great as it normally is, especially when you get bitter bill off a loss. So, yeah, it's a lot of uncertainty here and monitoring. Keep an eye out on the app to see if uh, I play anything. Buffalo at Tennessee, another game that we don't know exactly what's going to happen with. Line off the board, Tennessee wide receiver Corey Davis was added to the COVID-19 list, joining wide receivers Adam Humphreys and Cameron Batson, fullback Kari Blazen game, uh, offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson, D-lineman Jeffrey Simmons, linebacker Kamali Correa, corner Christian Fulton, uh, Daquan Jones as well, and even their long snapper Bo Brinkley on the COVID-19 list. So this is just a tough spot. Uh, will be a tough spot for Tennessee if this one gets played. Josh Allen, 10-3-2 and two against the spread on the road. Yeah, no idea on this one. I don't know who's playing. For, I, don't, I doubt this game even gets played. Tennessee, there's rumblings that Tennessee might have to forfeit this mm-hmm. game because they broke COVID protocols, which would be really interesting for win totals. It'd be really interesting in the AFC where the one seed is so coveted. Uh, with the Chiefs and, you know, the Bills are undefeated and you just get a free road win over Tennessee. A lot of implications there. But, yeah, some of these Tennessee possibly guys that are possibly out and they're not practicing or, or major, doubt I'll bet this game, and I don't think it's going to get played past. All right. Let's get into our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week and get out of here. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Weeks one through four, I used Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Indy, Rams. You used Buffalo, Cleveland, and then the Colts and Rams as well. Where are we going for week five? Uh, I have an article out on Action Network with my plan. I'm sticking to my plan for now. I have the 49ers. Now, if Jimmy G doesn't play, I might change that, but I'm still confident San Fran wins this game after uh, their loss last week. If Jimmy G doesn't play, I might reevaluate, but I don't want to use, this is my whole premise. I don't want to use the chiefs. I don't want to use the Ravens this early. A lot of people might have, or might use them this week in games they should win. Uh, but I'm saving them for later in the year. If my objective is to win. So when mo- other people probably don't have them. So I'm sticking with my plan as of now. And for this podcast, I'll go with the 49ers. I may have to change my plan for next week, though, so stay tuned for that. Because as of now, I had the Broncos preliminary slated to use them at home against the Dolphins on their second straight road game outside out on the West Coast. But the Broncos are a shell of themselves, so that might have to be switched to another team. But that'll be next week. But for this week, 49ers. Yeah, it's, I'm, it's the 49ers or Chiefs for me. I get the strategy of saving the the Chiefs, but I'm just going to go with the Chiefs just because we don't know what's going on with the 49ers just quite yet at, at the quarterback situation. So I'll go Chiefs, you go Niners. Hopefully we continue to survive and you guys do as well. This has been another edition of the Action Network NFL podcast. 
Be sure to check out the other shows on the channel. We have Stuck and Colin Wilson with the College Football Pod on Friday and the Recap Pod uh, on Monday, as well as the Fantasy Flex Pod with myself, Matthew Friedman, Sean Corner, and always a great guest uh, that comes out on Wednesdays. So until next time, you can find Stuck on Twitter at Stucky2 and you can find him in the Action Network app at Stucky2 as well and you can find me on both of those is at Chris Raybon that's at Chris Raybon and be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our great NFL betting and fantasy content until next week let's get this money skull We're finished talking.